Welcome to ConX, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Today I have Justin White with me. And uh, Justin, are you there? Yeah, how's it going? It's going Glad well. Going well. Going well. So, so uh, you know, rather than me bore everybody with uh, telling them about your telling them about you and your company, tell us about you know who Justin White is, where you grew up, what's your background, and then then switch over and talk about your company and tell us what you know what you guys do. All right, sounds great. So it'll it'll be kind of one and the same. Um, so I'll start with myself here. I, I grew up in Santa Cruz, California. I uh, was raised on a ranch out here and raised horses and pigs and goats and all that fun stuff. Uh, took it took them to the fair. Uh, raced dirt bikes from a young age and have always been an outdoor enthusiast. Mm-hmm. I I grew up in the business of landscaping. Uh, my parents, you know, started this family business that we're going to talk about today. Uh, shortly before I was born. So, you know, I really grew up on the job site, grew around, grew up around my dad and my mom and, you know, their employees. And it was a great way to grow up, learned a lot about how, uh, you know, how, how it means to work hard and put in a hard day's work. I went to, went to high school and, and, you know, I actually didn't really click so well with school, <laughs> probably like many other young, <laughs> yeah, young men yeah, man. Um, dirt bikes and other things were more important. I, I ended up not really finishing out high school and went working full time for my dad about 16 years old. Um, and you know what? <clears throat> that uh, that decision has served me well so far because by the time I was 21, I had five years under my belt working as a, you know, a foreman, so to speak, and running es- excavators and large equipment. So, you know, I felt pretty confident going into a project management role at an extremely young age. Mm-hmm. And here we are, you know, I'm, I'm 32 today. I'm the CEO of our family business. Uh, we've got a little over a hundred employees and we're humming along at a great growth oh, wow. clip. And we're, we're having a blast down here, just, you know, cranking out landscapes. How, uh, you know, how is your uh, uh, father involved in the business now? Is he still? He is still involved. Um, my mom, she got out of the business, moved to Oregon about five years ago. Uh, that was 2015. That's when I took over as CEO. And my dad remained, uh, you know, full time in the business. However, he did, you know, in 2015, take more of a, a secondary kind of, we call him, you know, chairman of the board role, where he's acting more as that um, that lower that that back layer support versus the, uh, you know, the face of the company. And as of today, he still runs our sales department on the maintenance side. So he does a lot of new maintenance sales right. and business development, you know, relationship manager. He's, he's great with the community and he loves to do what he does. And, and I'm stuck with doing all the paperwork and dealing with all the <laughs> HR stuff. And <laughs> doing well, stuff you know, I enjoy. probably, probably on, on his side, he probably wishes you you could uh he could do your job and you probably wish you could do his job at least that's what my sons tell me uh at times absolutely you know i always thought he just he just drove around in the f-150 and you know got to talk with clients and hang out all day um (laughs) quite the different story up here well uh you know i worked with my dad growing up uh i actually uh, he owned a janitorial you know and, and we did landscaping, we did uh, maintenance, okay. you know, mowed lawns and stuff like that. And uh, that was hard. And I have two of my sons work in the company with me, and and it, it, I actually really enjoy it. How, what's your kind of experience working with your dad? I love it, man. I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, we have our moments, and I, I'm lucky enough to work with my brother and my sister and my cousin and my aunt as well. So we've got all kinds of family in the business. Um, but you know, me and my dad, you know, we have a great relationship today. We've, we've had our times, we've had, we've had our head buddy moment, but overall, uh, I know he's proud of me and I'm thankful I've been given that opportunity to, you know, create more wealth opportunities for my family and mm-hmm. grow the company. So the entire family can work here and we can make a good living, uh, doing this great thing of landscaping. You know, one thing about, uh, you know, family companies, they can be extremely successful because you got that buy-in from people. It's not just an employee, you know, you really have a, a buy-in of the, you know, for the greater good. And uh, I mean, they can be great companies, but they can also be very difficult, you know. So <laughs> as you know, not every day is a is a great day, you know. So, uh, but uh, 
So tell me, tell me a little bit about what your guys' core focus is and kind of how your business is set up. Yeah, yeah, our, our core focus, so we kind of have three core focuses at this point, and we're adding more. Um, so our first focus is commercial maintenance, you know, large HOAs, business parks, and industrial facilities. Our second core focus is going to be custom residential installation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're talking pretty heavy construction. We're putting together outdoor kitchens. Uh, concrete patios, pergolas, fences, you know, just basically everything that goes on in the backyard of, of some of the higher end homes here around the uh, Monterey Peninsula. And then the third major income stream or focus is going to be commercial installation, uh, where we work with a lot of the, you know, big name general contractors out there. We do work all over the South Bay area. And uh, again, our focus is, you know, hospitals, prevailing wage facilities, and, and large, large installations ideally upwards of a million dollars or higher um, is, is the contract value we'd like to land on the commercial side. Well, sounds like you got a good, you know, integration, you know, uh, different pieces and parts work together. One, you know, helps the other. And uh, it sounds really, you know, I would have never guessed after kind of doing my, doing my background research on you to begin with, I would have never guessed that you guys do as much, uh, you know, on the construction side. I just assumed that, you know, it was smaller, you know, but I guess today everybody has backyards that are just like as complicated houses now. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and yeah, it's it's interesting. Our our marketing focus is definitely towards maintenance because that's the the recurring income model is what we're really focused on growing. Mm-hmm. You know, and then on the construction commercial side, especially, you know, marketing just doesn't really pay the dividends there. Uh, you know, prevailing wage jobs, it's it's low bid gets a job. And really, the marketing is how well of a contractor are you are to work with with the GCs. Yes. Uh, so they can, you know, they can be confident in calling you back. Yeah, you would, you know, I, I and I realize money is a very, uh, a very important factor. But it's even in a low bid environment, as you know, if you if you show can show up every day and be reliable, you know. There, there, unfortunately, there's a price there, you know, <laughs> and so, <laughs> yep, you know, uh, but uh, so how's COVID affected you guys? Yeah, COVID, you know, it's a tough question to answer, but it's affected us in overall, I would say it's a positive opportunity for us to improve our team. Uh, we're stronger today than we were two years ago. I truly believe that we, we have grown through COVID. Uh, we've been able to actually pick up some great talent at the beginning of COVID. You know, in March of 2020, I sat the team down and, and basically told everyone, look, we are going to grow this year. Uh, no matter what we have to do, uh, we're going to grow. If that means we lose a little bit of net profit and our overhead balloons up a little bit, that's okay. We knew that there was going to be opportunities to pick up some great talent, and we knew there was going to be opportunities to pick up some great properties. Uh, so that's exactly what we did. We we kicked our growth into high gear. We hired some really amazing people, uh, and we went to work on our systems and our processes uh, because it was a get, great time to kind of sit down and reevaluate the way we ran the business. Uh, it was kind of like a timeout or a halftime, so to speak. So well, it, it sounds like you made the best of a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it threw us a curveball. We had some clients cancel contracts. You know, we do a lot of hotels, and so they took a big hit. Mm-hmm. And the, the how to keep our guys safe, you know, we got three to four guys in a truck. So we immediately went to one guy in a truck and everyone else driving their personal vehicles, which created a lot of extra, you know, reimbursements and mm-hmm. trying to make sure, you know, it's like herding cats out there and trying to get guys to the job site at the right oh, time. Man. Well, but, you know, we, we got through it as a team and we figured out, you know, I think COVID exploited the weak areas of business. And, it, it made you really fix some of those areas. Otherwise you just, you weren't going to be able to survive. So um, we tried to make the best of a worse situation. I think you, you put it pretty well right there. Well, you know, and, and I don't know how you, how you were, but back in 2008, I mean, totally different scenario, but the results were the same, you know, and uh, that's where people had to rethink their kind of business model. And you guys were in business during that time, 2007 through 2009. How did, how did you guys, what similarities or, or differences did you see? 
Uh, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because 08 was a defining moment in my career for sure. I, I started about that 06, 07 time, and I had a couple years of really seeing the good side of business, and it was amazing. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we had so much work. We were just we were crushing it. And all of a sudden, I mean, literally overnight, you know, we had a bunch of contracts canceled, and it just took a tank. It just tanked. So we, we fell back on our maintenance. And we fell back on some residential clients. You know, we were lucky to be in really close proximity to, you know, Silicon Valley. And, you know, those companies seem to do pretty good in in pretty much any economy. So we did just barely squeak by. The other thing that I noticed was a trend is the prevailing wage dollars continued through 09, almost into, you know, early 2010, because all that government spending was already put in place in 06 and 07, right? And we're landscapers. We're on the tail end of these projects. So projects yeah. that were started in 07, you know, it was a hospital or a new building. They still completed that or it's a roadway construction. So we were able to kind of carry those projects through into 09, you know, early 2010. Um, and then as soon as that dried up, things started kind of picking up a little bit in the residential sector. So you know, having a diversified client portfolio really, I think, kept us in business. And I got to say, my parents, shout out to my mom and dad, they emptied out their IRAs, they emptied out their retirement, they drained their 401k, uh, they, they took out a huge loan on the house, they just leveraged everything they had to keep the business afloat. And, and we just barely squeaked by, you know, we came out of it in 2012, 2013, with just a mountain full of debt. Um, but we were in business and we were able to start rebuilding at that point. Uh, it taught me a ton of good lessons. And that's really where I cut my teeth and learned a lot from 08 to 2012. And that was the defining years of my career, you know, and, and I appreciate going through that adversity. Uh, I feel like there's some kids these days and, and I'm, you know, I'm 32, man. I'm not trying to say, <laughs> I'm, you know, call people kids. I'm probably still a kid myself here. But, you know, I see some people these days that just didn't go through that. You know, they got into the industry industry over the last three or four years, and and all they know is prosperity and mm-hmm. success. You know, the wind's at our back right now, and and it's gonna it's gonna kind of hide your faults and hide your issues. But we go through another recession, and I think we're gonna see a lot of businesses drop from just not really being prepared. Well, you know, and I I started my business in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, right in that mm. time frame, right <laughs> when everything went went and and we're primarily in the in the federal sector. So, you know, what you wow. were saying, what you were saying, you know, hit home for me, you know. Um, but I do believe that, you know, if you do good work, you'll get through those tough times. And it sounds like you guys did. And, uh, you know, I and give credit to you where credit is due. Your your parents are uh, are are sounds like sounds like they're they're not afraid to do something they believe in. And uh, obviously they believed in this. And so did I. So I dumped my money into it, too. And <laughs> It was a tough time. Yeah. What, what you mentioned, I'm a little older than you, but I remember back in the 90s, early 90s, we uh, same kind of deal. You know, we had prosperity, prosperity, not much was going on. And then all the way up to about 9-11, you know, and yeah. uh, and then we and then all of a sudden the people who had never seen, as you said, the y- younger people who had never seen a downturn. It was kind of a makes you appreciate an upturn when you see a bad downturn. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I mean, every day I'm thankful for the for the opportunity we get to do to to come and do our work, you know, to have work for our guys and have projects. I, and you know how it is; it's nothing worse than not knowing where you're going to send your your guys the next day or the next week, you know. Yeah, and you know that's a. I have to say when I talk to people, one of the and I'm a I'm I'm a Vistage member too, and then when I talk to companies, nice. even companies that are that are larger you know, general contractors, um, you know, you, I think a lot of people try to paint, you know, owners and, and senior members of organizations like me and you as being these heartless group of people. But in reality, I mean, every day I drive in and I look at the cars in the parking lot and say, hey, this I'm responsible for this, you know, and uh, that's a heck of a way to carry. But, you know, I really do care about that, you know, and it sounds like mm-hmm. you guys do, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of like I said, I, I started working for my pops full time at 16. 
and I got to work side by side and mentor under a lot of the people who I'm in charge of today. You know, we have a lot of people that have been with our company for over 20 years. And, you know, I hold a, a deep sense of gratitude and a sense of responsibility to them to provide them with that opportunity to feed their families. And yeah, I totally can agree and relate to that, that, that weight of, man, if I have to lay someone off, I'm letting down him and his whole family. And, and that, that's, you know, that's something to really take into consideration before you start, you know, kind of recklessly growing a company. You really got to think about that. So, you know, you may have already shared this, but I'm going to ask you, any, did you have any, you know, that sounds like that may be, be, be the game changing moment for you, but can you think of any other events that you had during your, you know, the, the, the history of the company that really shaped the model that you guys have today? Yes. So 2015 was, was the pivot year for us. We, we hired a business coach or I hired a business coach directly to work with myself. And he is, he has been one of my greatest mentors. His name's Jonathan Goldhill. And he just wrote a wonderful book that, that kind of highlights our growth path over the last five years. It's called the disruptive successor. Great mm -hmm. book. You pick it up on Amazon. Um, so we created a set of, you know, when we brought him on, we created a set of core values. We create, created a, a big, hairy, audacious goal. If you're familiar with EOS or Vern Harnish's uh, scaling up teachings, that, that term will be uh, uh, familiar to you. So we created, I guess, what you could call as a vision for our company. Uh, that vision was to be a $30 million company by 2030. Uh, so it was a 15-year roadmap. And with creation of the core values, creation of that big, hairy, audacious goal, and then creation of our business purpose, which our purpose is to raise the bar in the landscape industry, uh, we, were, we were basically provided the template for growth. Um, from there, you know, we just, we started hiring great people and put them in the right places and gave them great clarity of what we expected from them. And the growth just came from there. And, and that's where we went from that, you know, 15 person mark to a hundred person mark in about five years after, uh, after I took over as CEO. So 2015, I think was definitely the most defining moment in KD's history of when I think we went from that small mom and pops operated company to a legitimate uh, growing mid-sized company with core values, with vision, and, and with a true leadership team at that point. Well, you know, you did something that a lot of people don't do, and but, uh, but you also did something that a lot of successful people do, and that's realize what your strengths and what your weaknesses are and get help with those weaknesses, you know? And, uh, or, or strengths for that matter. And, and I, I laugh when you said, uh, uh, you know, big, hot, hairy, audacious goal, <laughs> you know, uh, Jim from good to great Jim Collins, you know, I don't know, and oh, yeah. I, you know, and, uh, I actually just recently went through, I'm actually reading this current book, uh, B 2.0. I don't know if you've seen that out yet, but, uh, um, it's, it's just basically another edition of, uh, basically good to great or business entrepreneurs, you know, that's what B stands for. But, uh, um, that, that's, that's, that's great that, you know, you actually, it's, it's crazy. Like when I, they first told me, Hey, you need to have a vision and mission for your company. And I'm like, why? <laughs> you know? And I was like, this wow. seems like a big waste of time, but you know, we have a hundred people in the field traveling all the, uh, yeah. all of the United States. And, if they don't understand what's important to you and what's where your values lie, then you're going to be all over the place. And it sounds like, you know, your coach did a good job helping you through that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I couldn't, you know, agree with you more there. And, and reading is a big thing that I do. And yeah, I, I actually just finished BE 2.0 just a few weeks ago. The, I think the most amazing part of that book is how relevant those things that they wrote about in, in what the mid nineties or something how relevant they are today, you know, and Jim kind of goes through and, and narrates the chapter afterwards. It kind of talks about how it, how it's updated for 2020 and COVID and everything. And he's just so spot on, you know, I think Jim Collins, he does a lot of talks with Vistage and I always tune in for those because whether it's the flywheel, the hedgehog, 
Yes. Well, one of his other kind of like analogies, man, that guy has given us so many business tools that you could really run an entire business uh, just by following his book. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, fortunate I went through his like, uh, before I read the book, I just thought I'd, I'd get a sneak peek by going through his different webinars he offers through the Vistage. And it was, it's, it's don't ruin, don't ruin the book for me. Cause I'm, <laughs> but, but it, 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 he really has a way of like taking something very complex and making it very simple, you know? And, uh, um, uh, and it's, it's, I shouldn't say very complex, something that's takes a little bit of thought and making it simple using, you know, like you said, the hedgehog and, and different, different, you know, sayings he has, which I think is incredible. So, um, well, I was going to ask you what your plan is, but it sounds like you, you know, it and you've got it down and, you know, could I ask you, if you don't mind me asking, what's your uh, vision, vision statement? Yeah. So our business statement is pretty simple. We used to have kind of, um, you know, this big, this big mission statement with all these words, but now, you know, it's simple. It's, our goal is to raise the bar in the landscape industry. And I'll elaborate on that a little bit. What it means to us is first, we want to be the best subcontractor on the job site. Uh -huh. So we want to be better than the electricians, than the graders, than the drywall guys, the painters, anyone. We want to be on top of the schedule. We want to get our submittals in quicker than anyone. You know, we just want to be as perfect as perfect can be and give our general contractors no reason to not hire us again. Um, and, and that means, you know, you know what it means. We got to just do our job and, and show up on time and, and follow the procedures. Um, and that also means, you know, raising the bar in the landscape industry means doing stuff like today, you know, getting on a podcast and sharing our story and, and trying to really inspire others to create more success, more wealth, more job creation in the landscape industry. You know, as much as I am looking to grow my company, I'd love for our entire industry to grow because uh -huh. I do feel that it's, it's a need. It's a necessity. Uh, we need more young people coming into construction and, you know, I'm a, I, I may be selfish here, but I'd love more of them to come into landscaping, you know? So we're trying to, trying to change the industry in the way that we're looked at on the job site. And we're trying to change the way people look at landscapers in general, when it comes to the pay too. Uh, landscapers have always been on the lower end of the pay scale. You know, I mean, prevailing wage kind of dictates that there. We can't do much about that. But in the private industry, you know, we try to lead the industry in wages and, and we're always advocating for an increased pay for our landscape team members. Um, and, you know, we kind of do that through just basically paying them more and charging our clients a little bit more. But, you know, when your guys make, you know, 25, 30 bucks an hour, they're going to show up to the job site happier than if they were making minimum wage. And the client's going to notice that and they're going to want to hire you back. So, you know, we're just trying to really do a better job um, than, than that's been done before us and continue to elevate and succeed in, in those areas within our industry. Well, you, and you, I have to say, honestly, people wise in your guys' industry, it's probably, you know, I, I mean, your industry is tough work, you know, I mean, let's, yeah. let's, let's not beat around the bush here. I mean, that's, it's yeah. tough. You know, and uh, if you want a good hard day's worth of work, go do what you guys do. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, um, and the fact that you guys have been able to grow and keep people is a is a says something really good about your company. So, um, you know, what kind of moving more like, uh, you know, some of the personal qualities that you have, obviously, um, uh, you know, are you you said you have other family members in the business. Why were you the guy? Um, what was it about you? Was it your desire to do it? Was it a skill set you had? What What was it that made you be the guy that to run the show? So I think uh, I don't know if anyone's asked me that question. That's a great question. So, uh, well, I I'm the oldest of of three. So I've got a younger brother, younger sister. We're all pretty close uh, within mm -hmm. five years. But it was something that I really wanted. I've always had a desire to lead. Uh, you know, whenever we broke up into groups, I always wanted to take the lead in school or sports or whatever you have, you know, whatever we're doing. I was always the one throwing my hand up, trying, you know, trying to innovate and lead the team. So 
as my parents in, you know, in 2015, I don't think I touched on this yet. My parents in 2015, uh, were going through a divorce uh-huh. and for about 30 years, they ran this business together and my mom did the books and my dad was out in the field, making things happen. Uh, the story of, I think many American family companies. So when my mom and my dad decided that they were going to get a divorce and my mom was going to move out of state and move away from the business, it opened up a big hole and a big vacuum. Uh, I saw that opportunity and, you know, I sat my parents down and both of them, cause my mom was still an owner at this point. And I said, I want a shot at running the company. Uh, most parents with a, with a kid 25 years old that doesn't have a college degree, it really has no credentials to run a company would be like, there's no way. But given the state that they were in and, and where they were at in their lives and, um, I guess just through luck, I was given that opportunity and, and they believed in me, both of them. And that was huge. And I think that's the difference from our company compared to a lot of other family owned companies is my dad really did get out of the way and let me have that leadership role. And I'm sure he figured it'd be easier to just give it me everything, let it go. And I'll probably, you know, fail and he'll come in and figure it out after, (laughs) you know, instead of arguing with me, because I was stubborn, man. I was just like really stubborn about it. I really wanted that opportunity and I was persistent. And, um, finally he, he said, okay, let's see what you can do, kid. And, um, that's when I hired the business coach. And that really, I think was the difference maker. I don't think we'd be here today if, I hadn't had that business coach that really helped guide me through the process and teach me everything I know today. But, you know, I'd I'd say to answer the question in short, I definitely was the pushing side of it. I wanted it and I went after it and got it. Well, you know, and and I I preach this all the time to my kids is, man, there's some things you can't teach. And one of them is drive, you know, I mean, yeah. Drive to be successful is something you either have or you don't have, you know, and, um, and some people say to me, well, motivation is built on necessity. Well, that's true. But yeah. beyond that, there has to be some inner drive in you that wants to push forward, you know, and uh, um, it's that that's to me is probably the most important thing. And I think that's probably what the parent your parents saw in you was that inner drive and that motivation and uh, and desire, you know, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty yeah. I, I it's pretty ballsy don't mind me saying <laughs> to, uh, to 25 years old hey i want to yeah. run this show i mean that's you got you got to at the end of the day that's that that takes that takes a lot of of uh intestinal fortitude you know yeah so uh, uh well that's great let me ask you um if you were to give advice uh, to, to somebody, whether it's uh, advice based on something that you did right or something that you did wrong, both personally and professionally, what kind of advice would you give uh, uh, a young man or woman or, or, or a, another you know, executive within the company? Well, <clears throat> I think I'll start by saying that be careful with motivation because motivation at some point or another is going to run out. And like you said, motivation sometimes is, is created by an outside force or a necessity to feed your family or put food on the table or keep a roof over your head. And sooner or later, uh, you may actually be successful enough where, where that necessity is gone and that motivation disappears. So I'd say, first off, be really careful with motivation because sooner or later your motivation and the reason why you're doing something is going to run out and you have to fall back on that drive that we were talking about. So that would kind of be my first thing is, is find out what really doesn't motivate, you know, motivation, like I said, runs out, find out what inspires you, Uh find out what do you do that at the end of the day, you had, you have more energy after doing a 12 hour work day than you did when you woke up because whatever you did that day inspired you. Write that down in your journal and try to do that as much as possible and do that every day. Because if you can find something that inspires you, and I'm not, you know, I, I think the saying, you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. I think it's a little bit overused. I would just say find what inspires you. Find what energizes you. 
and really try to focus on hiring people to do the things that, that don't inspire you and that don't energize you. Um, so that's kind of the first, the first bit of that. The second bit of that advice I would give is listen as much as possible. I think listening is something that's highly, highly undervalued. Uh, we're always looking to find a way to make ourselves seem like we fit in with whatever group we're with. We want to contribute to the meeting or we want to contribute to the conversation. But think of it as being selfish by listening and try mm -hmm. to be selfish by absorbing as much information, whether you're talking to a laborer or a tradesman level employee, you're talking to a fellow executive, a business coach, or you're just talking to someone at the coffee shop. The more listening and questioning you can do, the more information you're going to learn, you're going to retain. And honestly, the more successful you're going to be. So I would say, you know, first off, find out what inspires you. And second off, you know, really try to listen more and, and uh, speak less. Uh, and I, li I like that word uh, inspire. You know, I use the word, the word I use all the time is passion because yeah. it's tough. It's you, one, of the th one of the other things is I don't think you can teach passion. I think it's something you either have or you don't, you know, and, yep. and, uh, um, I, and, and you hit on another important point is if you're not passionate about something, like I'm not a passionate about accounting. I think it's, I know, <laughs> yeah. it's I know it's necessary. I know it's important, but I'm not passionate about it. You know, I can't sit down and, and input stuff into QuickBooks. Never been my forte. I did it at one time and did a horrible job. That's why I don't do it anymore. You know, so uh, so my wife took over. And then since my wife is the part of the company, uh, you know, we have another gentleman that's extremely sharp that she trained. And uh, uh, but but, you know, the, the passion is just hey, I don't even know what to say about that, because when you're passionate about something, you you know, you put everything you have into it. You know, I, I always talk about being all in, you know, yeah. what does all in really mean. It means being all in, you know, you don't, <laughs> so I don't know how else to say it, you know, but, uh, yeah, you're all in or you're not, you know, yes. in this business. And, and if you, and if you question whether you're all in, all in or not, you're probably not all in, you know? So, exactly. um, so, um, and you know, and, uh, you bring up a good point about motivation at the end of the day, you know, you had to figure out your, some of that motivation can leave you. And I, I've gone through that transition for me. I used to love scheduling and plans and that all the stuff that we do, but it came to a point where I don't do that stuff anymore. And where do you go from there? <laughs> so, but my, <laughs> yeah. my, my passion personally, because my vision statement is we're in the business of building the kingdom. The why it's the why uh, we yeah. do it. And I, I do it yeah. because I, I really care about people when I, I care about taking the message of God to other people, you know, and uh, yeah. uh, you couldn't tell it by the way I talk sometimes, but uh, God's working with me on that <laughs> whole deal. So, <laughs> but, but to be fair, even God's, I think even God will give me a break because I was a sailor and a construction worker. So I think God's going to give me a little bit of grace there, you know, so. I, um, I think, yep. <laughs> uh, so tell us about what some of your, you know, tell us about some of your successes and some of your failures that you, that you had uh, through your career and, you know, talk about those for a minute. Yeah, well, I agree. You know, I have shifted a lot of my focus towards people and trying to help people succeed. And I often say I want to help people find success they didn't think was possible in their lifetime. And to some of my failures, I think, is pushing people too hard where, you know, I really, I really saw, saw something. I wanted them to succeed. I thought I was giving them the support they needed, but I was not listening enough. Uh -huh. And I, and I had pushed one of my executives to the point where, you know, he, he quit, he couldn't do it. And that was, that was on me because I was expecting a lot out of him. You know, he, he was in our commercial insulation department and it's a tough industry, man. You know how it is, prevailing yeah. wage, public works and government jobs. There's a lot of paperwork, a lot of stress. And I didn't give him the support because I, I didn't listen to him. And when he finally quit, 
I realized that he's been asking for help for a long time. And although I thought I was giving him what he needed, I obviously was not. I thought I was. But at the end of the day, you may think you're doing a great job for your people, but, you know, it doesn't matter what you think. It really matters what they think. So that, that was one of my failures. And, and luckily, we're still friends and, you know, we can still talk today. But I think that was that was a big deal. Um, you know, another and one. And that's, and that's yeah. hard owning it. I, you know, I have to have a lot yeah. of respect for you because owning that is is not easy, you know. So uh, yeah. sorry, but I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, you're right. And it's it's easy to push that on to him and just say, well, he couldn't take it. He's not built for this business. So we're going to find someone that is right. That, that's the easy way of dealing with that. But, you know, then you end up with this revolving executive door in that position. So, mm-hmm. you know, now I got someone else in there and, and I'm I'm doing a little bit different of an approach on my support. And, and hopefully uh, and, and hopefully I'm giving her uh, she's breaking barriers as a female executive here. Um, hopefully I am giving her that support and, you know, through one-to-ones every, basically almost every week we get together and sit down and just talk about, you know, how things are going. I, I think we're in a much better place than I was a couple of years back with, with the other gentlemen there. But, um, you know, I think a success was going after a big project. Uh, it was a VA hospital down here in Monterey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be honest, we had no business even bidding on this job. I mean, at the time, the biggest job we'd ever done was about 400,000. And this contract was, um, the bid was about 1.2. Mm-hmm. So we were way over our heads. It was 2012. We were at, coming out of the recession. We were pretty hungry for work. And we had a good relationship with the, uh, with the general contractor. So we went through a number of VE revisions. And because of my dad and I's experience, we outbid the other company just basically by providing better VE alternates and options. And we got the job. Um, and man, let me tell you what, we were so far over our head on day one. Like they asked us <laughs> the middle package and we're like a submittal package. Like, what is that? You know, a safety plan, a, a job hazard analysis plan. You know, we were just like totally caught off guard, but you know, thanks to Google and, and just hard work, we pulled it through and that job really sent us on a trajectory uh, to do bigger and better things. We learned a lot through it and we didn't necessarily hit, you know, exactly where we wanted to be. Um, but we did pretty good. And, and actually it's kind of a funny story. At the very end of the job, we were, we were underwater. We were losing money pretty bad, but you know, we were just going to kind of eat it and um, you know, just keep going. And they ended up needing a change order for these vehicle barrier boulders, you know, these giant boulders uh-huh. uh, to stop vehicles. Cause you know, I mean, even to this day, uh, 9-11 and all that created some very big concerns for government buildings. And they wanted these big, like six by six boulders, six by six by six, you know, giant boulders we had to crane in. And so we bid it, we found a guy and all this stuff. And, and right before we were about to do it, I found another source and I basically got these boulders for almost free, saved us $200,000 in material. Wow. Uh, I, found, I found a quarry that they didn't need the big boulders. They were trying to get the small rock. And so these big boulders were just sitting there. So pretty much I just paid for trucking and, <laughs> and with a crane and a great all, we set something like 600 boulders oh, and freaking came out okay and basically just like made a little bit of money on that job it, it was just the most amazing experience um of my career probably still to this day one of the most craziest jobs we've been on and you know it gave us confidence to continue to go after jobs of that size and you know here we are today we're actually doing an amazon um in hollister and and we're getting it done in like three months and you know it's a, it's another 1.1 1.2 million dollar contract so that, that was a pretty awesome success. That was a super, super close failure. <laughs> I was going to say that, 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 that went from a failure to a success. And that's a, that's a, a hard, a hard earned uh, success. Yeah. I mean, I tell you, it's, it was like one phone call. That's the difference, you know, through months and even a year or two of the, on that job, one phone call made the difference of being in the red versus being in the black it is just crazy. 
Um, so what's kind of the future of your business? I know you talked about your plan. Yeah. What do you see? I mean, um, what do you see, where do you see the business going from here? Yeah, we're excited, man. We're super excited. We got some great people on board and, you know, so we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to grow in all, all the divisions I talked about. But one thing we're adding, and this is brand new, we're launching October 1st. Uh, we're launching a water management company. So, you know, here in California, the drought is getting worse and worse and rate payers are starting to really feel it in their, in their pocketbooks. So we're launching a water management company that's going to provide water management services to large campuses, HOAs, uh, large facilities and, and other multi-home and multi-community facilities, parks and so on. The amount of cost it takes to water an acre of lawn here in Monterey County is about $50,000 a year. Wow. And that's if you're doing it good. So a lot of these guys are paying upwards of 100,000 per acre of lawn just to keep it watered. So we see a huge opportunity in helping to manage and reduce the amount of water use through you know, Wi-Fi enabled components, 24-7 uh, around the clock leak detection, and working with the local water districts to identify those high use clients and offer our services. Uh, if we can say, you know, clients that are spending well over six figures, uh, you know, we're pretty confident we can save 30 to 40% a year. Uh, it's a pretty good return on your investment when we're charging maybe a couple grand a month. Well, and that's, so a, that's, per that's a perfect model, you know, you're bringing value there. It's not a cost, it's a value, you know, and yeah. uh, that's a, that's a great thing. And, and if you, you don't even have to watch the news to hear all the issues you guys had with water out there and continue to have. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not like when, you guys, when you guys get it, you get too much. And when you guys don't have it, you don't have it. You <laughs> definitely don't have it, you know? So, um, yeah. it's why, well, it, it, yeah, it, it's a big issue. So we're, we're hoping we can make a dent in that and, and help our community out at the same time. That's great. That's great. So, um, what I want to do now is I want to go through the speed round and this is just, uh, there's eight different categories and it's a, I just wanted you to rate it one to one to ten scale, ten being the most important, one being the least important, and they could all be tens. So, okay. um, uh, so you can explain your, your your number if you like. If not, that's fine too. So, we'll start out with scheduling. Nine. Uh, if you're over schedule, you're over budget. Uh, number two is estimating. Nine. Um, I think if you miss something on the estimate, you're going to end up shortchanging the client and cutting corners. Uh, it all starts in the estimating room, really. Yeah, I'll give that a nine, too. Now, I have the next two I have is one's contracts as far as the paper, and then the the second one is contract administration, the execution of that paper contract. I think uh, probably an eight for each one. You got to know what you're doing, but, uh, you know, you get caught up if, if uh, you sign a contract that has, you know, giant liquidated damages in it and you end up getting caught up in that or something like something of that nature. I'll give those an eight. Design. Yeah, I give that an eight as well. Uh, you can get around some design flaws with, with a good team and a flexible architect, um, but, but you got to have a good design going in. Otherwise, it's just, it's just not going to work out. So I give that an eight. Accounting. Ten. I give this a ten because if you don't have optics on your accounting side, you don't know what jobs you're making money on. Um, you can't even be a good estimator. You got to have accounting optics, and you got to have it not only at the end of the job but throughout the duration of the job. So I think that may be the most important. I'll give that a ten. Selling work. You know, right now I'm going to give that a seven. I think it's it's really easy right now to sell work, but over the next three years, it's going to get harder, and it's going to be more of a priority for folks, and they're going to need to shift their resources over to business development here pretty quick. And last but not least, leadership. Number 10. Again, I give that a 10 for the reason that it all starts at the top. Uh, my dad always said, no one's going to work harder than you. So you set the bar. No one's going to go above it. Uh, if your leaders aren't showing hard work, discipline, and following the core values, it's going to unravel down the line. 
Well, that's some good advice there. So before we leave out, I want to give you the last word. But before I do that, I just want to tell you thank you, Justin, for meeting with me today and talking with me. Um, you gave me some good insight, especially in your sector. You know, uh, I think you're the first person we've had, uh, you know, in the landscape and business that we've had on on uh, our podcast. So that was really, really, really oh, good. Right and uh, I think from a you know many gen contractors you know listening uh you know picked up some good things and uh and i i want to uh commend you for for what you've done the ability to stand up and say hey I, i'd like to do this and then actually have the follow through to do it like you've done that's that's to me is really where it's at that second piece of it and so i i just want to commend you for that and i'm sure your parents are proud of you so you get the last word Last word. Well, you know, I think it goes back to what we were just talking about. Um, you're only going to get out of it what you put in, man. There's there's no real shortcuts in this industry, whether you're landscaping or building buildings. You get out what you put in. So you got to put the hard work in, and uh, you reap what you sow. So I think I'll leave it at that. With that good advice, um, I will close out the podcast today and say. Join us next week for another podcast of ConX.
Awesome. Thanks, Scott.